Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan, and we have such a fun episode for you. So last week was the feast day of St. John Paul II, or St. John Paul the Great, as he's called sometimes, and we got to record a podcast about him on his feast day. How much fun was that? And we invited one of our friends, her name is Nikki Monticilio, and Nikki was born in Poland, and her family lived there for many, many years, and they got to experience John Paul II when he was just Carol Votiwa. He was their cardinal. And he was just this light of hope for their family, for their country. And she tells us some amazing stories about him. And they are so much fun. And I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things about Catholic social media is when there's a feast day and all of a sudden my Instagram is flooded with images and quotes of that saint. And that's how it was the day that we recorded this. It was so much fun. The other thing that we talk about is the feminine genius. Nikki has a love for empowering women and mothers, and she is a Catholic therapist and works with young children. And she's just learned a lot along the way. And one of the things that she talks about is beauty. What does it mean to be beautiful? And do we know that we're beautiful? Like, what does that look like for us as moms and women to see our own beauty? And we don't really mean external beauty. I heard a priest say this weekend that the level to which you're beautiful is how much you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, because that's what people see. Have you ever seen someone who was just filled with the spirit and they glowed like there was a little twinkle in their eyes like that's beauty and we have to know our beauty so that we can live in the fullness of who god made us to be and i know that kind of sounds a little cheesy but we're going to explain it even more and i want to encourage you to really let that love of the holy spirit shine in you this week all right i hope you enjoy hello everyone happy feast of john paul ii Yay! <laughs> we did not plan that. Jinx. <laughs> so this is not John Paul II's feast day when you guys hear it, but we are recording on his feast day. And it's just funny the way the Holy Spirit guides us sometimes. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're not always the most, I don't know, like forward-thinking, coordinated. <laughs> we're, we're just really docile to the Holy Spirit. Yes, let's call we it just, that. <laughs> we just don't plan anything because then it gives him lots of space to work. Yes, yes. Well, every time we do plan, it doesn't go as planned. Yeah. So it's like, well, our plans are not nearly as good as his plans. Right, So exactly. let's just let him plan. Yeah. So anyways, I had this idea a couple of weeks ago when we were thinking about October and all the beautiful saints in October. And I thought, you know, it'd be so great to do a podcast on JP2. And then Nikki came into my life and, um, and we have, say your name for me. Nikki Montecilio. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I had you say it because I was not going to say it like that. (laughs) How would you have said it? Monticello? I don't know. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. It's difficult to say. It's because my husband's Filipino. Yeah. So the Filipino double L is not Y, like Spanish. It's Lia. Montecilio. That's beautiful. Okay. I'm glad I had you say it. So um, (laughs) we were at mom's group a couple of weeks ago and Nikki stood up and started talking about how her family um, is from Poland, which I knew, but I never made the connection between John Paul II and all the beautiful Polish saints and the fact that her family grew up in Poland. And then she started talking about the feminine genius. And I was like, I need you to come on to my house in three weeks. And I need you to say all of that on the podcast. So it's just beautiful the way that God like brought us together on this day. And when we scheduled this podcast, We'd been working through a couple of different days, and we didn't even realize we scheduled it for his feast day. So yeah. how much fun is it to sit around Super cool. and talk about him? Oh, he's yeah. totally here. Right? He's here like, right now. Mm-hmm. And Nikki and I have been going to the um, Undone Conference, which is put on by the JP2 Healing Center. <gasps> That's true. Mm-hmm. On his feast nice. day, we need to go tonight. Like, how going to party that? hard tonight. I'm yeah. telling you, I feel like John Paul II is really like, mm-hmm. he's, he's active, mm. and he's part of this. That's so really cool. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. 
to oh like, my goodness. Well, I mean, just like wow. your, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> sorry, I mean, just like your family, your you uh-huh. know, career, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my family came from Poland when I was about three years old. Um, my dad is a professor at UT. Oh yeah. So wow. he um, had been here for different kind of like visiting professorships throughout the '80s. So my parents were not brand new to the area, but then in the early '90s. Um, my dad was asked if he could stay and start an institute here and like wow. stay, not That's just cool. visit, but stay. And that was a really, really, really difficult decision for them because yeah. our whole family is in Poland. And just um, if you know anything about Polish people, we're really proud of who we are yeah. and we're really wanting to like reinvest in the country. And, mm. um, and so that was just difficult, but they discerned that that's this is where they needed to come. And so I was two and a half at the time. I'm the youngest of five. So my brothers were all teenagers and just like very different, you know, seasons of life. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I've actually been in Austin my whole life and Mm -hmm. then would spend summers in Poland, um, a lot of different summers growing Mm -hmm. up in Poland to be with the family. That's really cool. And just like in the home, like Polish culture is, I don't know, I don't, it's supreme. But at the heart of Polish culture is Catholicism. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think there's really a more authentic way to be Polish than to be right. thoroughly Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so just the love of the faith, the beauty of the faith. And, you know, today is JP2's feast day. And just like, I don't know, I have my mom cultivated in the soil of my heart just a deep love for him as if he yeah. was my, as if he was my relative. Because... <sighs> You know, they lived that and they grew yeah. with him and he was their cardinal and all this mm. stuff, like just all the stories. So um, they remember what it was like before he was Pope. Isn't that That's beautiful? Amazing. Like, I just yeah. love that so much. And you have three cute little kiddos. Yes. And a husband. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a husband. So <laughs> where do they come from? But the um, yeah, so I have three kids this side of heaven. I have mm. one little one in heaven. She was uh, stillborn. Mm. Oh. She was our first. Um, her name is Anastasia. Mm. And then we have three children after her, Teddo, Lev, and Eliana. So five-year-old, two-year-old, and nine-month-old. And I love the multiculturalness <laughs> of your family. It's so oh, cool. Yeah. It's really beautiful. <laughs> By the way, I ate at that Filipino restaurant that your husband oh, told yeah. me about, and it was amazing. Yes, <laughs> it is. Oh, now you're making me want to go back so there. <laughs> so good. And you're also a Catholic therapist. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yes, so I've been a therapist for the past six years, um, and you know, just different seasons of life, I've practiced more or less. So when I wasn't pregnant or nursing, which was like one tiny pocket of time, right. I had more clients. <laughs> um, and then when I've been pregnant, I've usually like kind of gone down a little bit. When sure. I've been nursing, I go down a lot. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really blessed to work with a really really amazing group of clinicians. Um, just really so so formative in my life of just understanding the human person and the Mm. human heart um Mm. and just so so privileged over the last six years to really be so intimately close to people's hearts and their Mm. pain and it sounds weird but that's where I really love to be yeah you Mm. said you love having deep conversations Mm -hmm. with people and that's beautiful Mm -hmm. that's a gift it is a lot of people Mm. like myself I'm working on that um you are great at that. Shy Don't you say away that. From it. <laughs> You're amazing at that. Well, it's scary. Like, I don't know. Maybe it just organically happens, but I don't know how it happens. You mm. walk into my house and say, Megan, how's your heart? Like, at least once a week. <laughs> okay. You are great at that. You're teaching me how to be better at it. So don't you do that to yourself. Okay. So do you have some questions for her? I do. Okay. So just your introduction sparked one in my mind. So when you were talking about Polish pride, mm-hmm. it made me kind of chuckle inside that you live in Texas. And, you know, also Texas a very pride. proud nation. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so how, if you could blend both of them. The, the cultures, like if you want to infuse any Polishness into Texas and, you know, to add the, to it. The best parts of each culture. Yeah, the best parts of each culture. What, how would you do that? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I have to wrap my mind around this without, like, like what do you stewing love about on Poland it for a few days. Love about Texas. <laughs> yeah, if Texas could have Poland's love of Mary. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. We all need that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, if Pol- if Texans loved Mary the way Poland loves Mary, mm. Texas would be like, it's just so on fire. Yes. Oh. Um, if 
Poland, if Poland had Texas barbecue, <laughs> Poland would be a lot better That's too. Good. Perfect. That's awesome. Good question. That's good. Um, so I know from what Megan shared with me, where your heart is with the feminine genius and all of that stuff, I just wanted to kind of go back into girlhood. Mm. And did you have a favorite um, dress-up costume as you were a little girl, or, or Ooh, where, where did your imagination? Mostly I love your questions. Go. Like, I never know if it's going to be, is a hot dog a sandwich? Or something really deep and thoughtful. It's awesome. Okay. Um, I didn't have a favorite dress-up costume, but, like, I, my imagination was wild and deep, and I could get lost in it for hours. Oh, wow. Really? My favorite way to play was to play by myself, come up with intricate stories. I mean, are you surprised? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just playing, like, I would play, like, somebody's entire lifetime. I would act it out by myself. Um, oh. And I was just doing that my whole childhood. I love to play by myself, so oddly enough. With five siblings. Yes, five but I'm the youngest family. of five, and yeah. they're all kind of older than me. So I actually spent a good chunk of time at home on my own. Yeah, that's yeah. like quiet time. And so I think that was actually really good. I think that's what the Lord wanted for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so. I, I wouldn't say dress up, but just like lots of like deep imaginative pretend play. But mm-hmm. I also probably my favorite toy was my American Girl doll, Aww. Samantha. Oh, like she that. was my child. Which one was essentially? Samantha? She had brown hair. She yeah. was supposed to be early 1900s. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, I just loved too. her, and I would dress her, and I would just care for her. I was nurturing her. And, uh, I Your love that doll. Yeah. <laughs> I love that doll. I still have her. She's you, hanging out in our aw. in our playroom upstairs. So that oh, that's so awesome. sweet. I love that. Great question. I mean, great. <laughs> <laughs> great question. Yeah, good question. That's funny. Um, so seeing that it's JP2's feast day, he was a very adventurous person. Mm. What would be one thing that he did that you would like to tag along with if you could? Ooh, my brain immediately went to all of those trips he did in the wilderness with the mm. youth. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I oh yeah. If I could, I would totally I would totally go with him on one of those. Yeah. Do you like being outdoors or with youth or both? Or just with him. Him, <laughs> him, him, him. I think yeah. it's just him. Yeah. I my that. my family always uh very much loved hiking and stuff and so mm. I grew up with that but I don't think it's a natural love for me like I grew mm. to love it because that's what my family was doing um and uh yeah but I think just to be able to spend that time with him and mm. I know he just like spiritually counseled all of those mm-hmm. men and women those young men and women who are about to go out into the world and be seed in the world like oh my gosh to imagine? have been like to have been like Right. Like, sewed like that by such a spiritual father. Well, didn't they say yeah. that a lot of theology of the body and his teachings grew out of those, that time with those men and women? Like, mm-hmm. he oh, would I could sit totally there and just talk that. about marriage with that, yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people who weren't married yet. Like, he was forming them to yeah. be these right. amazing husbands and wives. And, yeah. and then from that is, like, when God really put it on his heart to, to write theology of the body. Yes. So cool. So, I love it. So, so cool. pastoral of him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, last question. You mentioned your toy as an American was American Girl doll. What toy or show or something that's influencing the young, girl, young girls today do you see is m- misrepresentative of like like guiding them away from their femininity? Mm. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm I feel a little bit like a fish out of water here because I have one baby girl so I actually don't even know (laughs) I don't even know what young girls are really playing with these days but um I will say I've seen a couple of commercials here and there just from the kids that my I'm sorry from the shows that my kids watch my boys Mm -hmm. um and I'll see like the toys they're advertising to the little girls and I'm like what that's like what it's just like do you believe that in the power of like such and such magic and I'm like no (laughs) <laughs> I was like, can I please shut this off? I was talking about that the other day. Every one of these little kids' shows mm-hmm. has this dark magic now. Yes. Why do we have to have dark magic? No, and I think I, maybe that's where I'm supposed to go with this because yeah. I've seen a lot of really the destruction that that causes. Like, I've seen that in counseling. Wow. Um, really? It wow. just is – it's destructive to mm-hmm. young girls to pull them into that into that world. Um Interesting. Uh, and it, it, it is very anti-feminine genius because it's really not, it's not, nur- yeah, it's not nurturing the feminine genius. It's it's saying like, we're more, like, this is more attractive. 
than mm. what Jesus has to offer you. Yeah. And so, wow. yeah. yeah the, um, mm. My Little Pony is all about dark magic. Mm. And even Rapunzel, you know, I mm-hmm. love the movie Tangled. I think it's mm-hmm. the cutest thing in the whole mm-hmm. world. But the TV version of it is all about dark magic. Is and, it really? Mm-hmm. And my girls were like, we're not oh. watching that anymore. Like, yeah. we don't want to be a part of that. And it's like, there's no good stories out there. Like right. one mm-hmm. thing that keeps popping up in my mind lately is this idea of like guiding kids towards the good, the true and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like there's so much beauty that you could infuse into these stories. We don't need to go the dark magic route. Like that doesn't need to right. be necessary. Right. It's almost like a cop out to me. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so comedians, right? I honestly don't think a comedian is truly funny if all of his bits are about sex sure right or you know because it's just mm-hmm. the easy mm-hmm. laugh right? right yeah like you're a true comedian if you can make me laugh without going right and, yeah. and they say like if you're gonna Same. be a good cartoon writer right <laughs> you, you can be smarter <laughs> than dark magic you don't have <laughs> right. to the easy we believe in you <laughs> you can do better than this people yeah awesome so uh megan i believe you have some yeah fun so, tidbits uh, to share so okay so here's what i've been thinking John Paul II, so I was not raised Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember when he died. I remember mm-hmm. it being a big deal. But I missed his entire pontificate. You did too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did too. That was in my Protestant days when I left the church. And Yeah. Well, you at least you had yeah. him as a child. Yeah, but it, uh, you know, I went. We went to church because we had to. My parents had the reversion yeah. when I was in college, so mm-hmm. I we wasn't aware. But um, interestingly enough, Chris... He, he was his spiritual father. Yeah. He had a deep love for JP2. Um, and my rosary that he gave me on the, the like, when we got married, uh-huh. um, it was been blessed by him. Oh, that's cool. And he prayed on it whenever he, you know, pilgrimaged over there for me. That's so, so cool. That's kind of my little connection to him. Well, oh. and I, I think it took me a few years to, like, really understand mm-hmm. John Paul II. I mean, I'm sure I'm still on the path of understanding him. <laughs> He's pretty complicated and amazing. <laughs> but um, for a while, I think... I didn't think he like pertained to me necessarily. Mm. Sometimes when saints are too holy, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't fit in with those people. I need to go with like the ones who have really struggled in their lives. Those are the ones sure. I relate to. And uh, and I kind of just didn't think he was like for me. But then I had this revelation at one point. I think it was when we were doing mom's group actually, that all the ministry that I've loved over the years, youth ministry, women's ministry, even children's ministry would not have been possible had it not been for him. Mm-hmm. Like he opened up the doorway for all of this. Yeah. And I, when I had that big like aha moment, I really felt like he's the one who's been like pushing me all along all these years. Oh, like, wow. I, it was mm-hmm. like his prayers were yeah. guiding me and saying like, you're going to be called to this, mm-hmm. get ready. Like this is where we're going kind of thing. And I just didn't even know it. And um, I read the book, uh, John Paul II and His Five Great Loves by uh, Jason, Jason Everett. Ever. Yeah, have you yeah. read that one? Mm-hmm. It's, so it's so good. good. And it's so, so much good. fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes you, like, pick up a saint book or, like, a Catholic teaching book, and you're like, okay, I'm going to work through this. Like, this yeah. one, like No, no, laugh. that one, you just, like, lap it up. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, like, it's laughing, really and I'm crying, and I'm falling in love with this man, you know? Like, he just, his heart was so beautiful, and he was hysterical. Yeah. So I thought we could do a little, like, telling funny JP2 stories or cool things about okay. it. So what is your favorite thing about JP2? Like, like favorite story of his or anything like that? Do you have one? Yes, I have a really good one. I think yeah. you're really going to love this. So when he was um, a cardinal in Krakow, where my parents were college students, um, he had... Just that sentence right there. That's amazing, <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. he, he had... Um, a tradition, I guess, with himself, where he would, <laughs> where he would invite like the the groups of uh, youth, so like college students at different mm-hmm. parishes, to the bishop's palace to do Christmas caroling together. And my my parents' group from Saint Anne's Church was invited, and they were there in the <gasps> bishop's palace. What? And what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. I, uh, yeah, I, I wish I had brought the picture with me, but I don't have it with me. I can oh show you gosh. later on the yes. computer. Show me. We'll but, share so, uh, so my dad was uh, one of the leaders of the group. And so he was the one tasked with like kind of giving like a short speech to him. So my dad, you know, if you've never met my dad, but he is just gregarious and he's really good speaker and just oh such a joy to be around, super wow. charismatic. But he stands up there and he just kind of like, like something in him went stiff and he just was anxious and nervous in his presence and started to kind of like fumble over his words and all that stuff. And JP2, Cardinal Voitua at the time, goes up to my dad, grabs his face and kisses him on both cheeks. No way. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
And so then my dad was able to finish the speech. And there's a picture of that moment. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has such a loving, connected, pastoral yes. heart at all times. Like, he just, yeah. he saw people and loved them in that moment. That is beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I love it so That's much. It's amazing. Well, they say that, like, if they, um, if he was in mass and he saw someone on the front row that was, like, in a wheelchair or mm-hmm. look like there was something, you know, or just his heart was stirred. He would just like walk off the altar and go down and like, <laughs> and just spend time like face to face. And they're always like trying to keep him on schedule because he was mm-hmm. so focused on people that he would yeah. just completely throw his schedule off by spending like an hour just sitting and talking just to someone. intentional. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So intentional. Yeah. And the same with um, Jesus and the Eucharist that he, yeah. um, yes, yeah, I love some I, of these stories. These stories yeah. crack me up that they, um, can you, I just can't imagine being in charge of him, like trying to tell him what to do and like, hurting what Cat. Why did they try? And why did they like think they could? I don't know. And yeah. how would you even try to tell him like yeah. what to do? No, yeah. no, no, Papa. Like you need to come this way. Like yeah. they, he just wouldn't. And so they would make him this really tight schedule, and they would even try to like work in times for adoration. And that didn't work because he would just spend hours in front of yeah. Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So then they started hiding the adoration chapels from him. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tell the Pope that Jesus is over there because if he knows, yeah. then he's mm-hmm. going to want to go sit at his feet and he'll yeah. never come back out. And there's this one story in that book where um, he was staying in a bishop's palace at, I don't know, somewhere. I think it was in America. And he's walking down a hallway and there was a door to the adoration chapel and they intentionally removed the sign from the doors so that he wouldn't know it. <laughs> I think they like blocked it with like a fern or something too. Like they <laughs> oh, were just so trying funny. to make it look like this is just totally, part of the hallway. Totally and so he uh, walks by and points to the door and says, did you really think you'd be able to hide my Lord from me? And then he goes in and says, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and totally throws off his yeah. That was just like his, Yeah. they say he was, um, like it was almost like superhuman, the mm-hmm. amount of time and energy he could put towards prayer, towards study, mm-hmm. towards people, yeah. towards that, like all these things. That's what stood out to me was, and, and that's what I was going to say was yeah. how he's just superhuman. His intellect, like he could read a book and have someone read him a totally different book and he would be able to completely... Do both at the same time. Yeah. Or like write things at the same time that he right. was having right. something yeah. And how many yeah. languages did he speak fluently? Seven? I thought it was eight. A lot. Nine yeah. something. I mean, we... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he got a full conversation while he was reading. Mm-hmm. And during Vatican II, he was like writing two different books while he was in Vatican II. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> His mind mm-hmm. was just... Amazing. Amazing. It's funny that you mentioned Vatican II because that has been um, pursuing me, I guess you could say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah just in a different way. Um, you, you know how like little little nuggets are dropped in your mm-hmm. path, you know? It's my guardian angel. I don't know. Um, but I think there there's this awakening to um, really dive into the truth of, truth of it, mm-hmm. of what it what really took place. Yeah. Um, and, and where the spirit was leading. Unearth it. Yeah. Anyways, mm, that's I know. But yeah. Davey, do pray for us in that. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, so. and so you also talked about how your parents grew up in communist Poland and mm-hmm. what that was like. you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah. Oh, this could probably have its own, like, I don't know, Go series. And this is also, a lot of it are my parents' stories and they know so many of the details so much better than I do just yeah. from, like, hearing the stories. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, so they grew up in communist Poland, and Poland just has a really long history of being constantly torn apart right. and constantly invaded. And well, hold on, when what year were your parents born? In the fifties, in the early fifties. So that's okay. post World War Two. Post World War Two. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should know this, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should ask that what now. is that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so yeah, con- communism took over after that. Right. It was and. Pretty- um, like it was just mm-hmm. one, pretty from much one regime to from one regime to the next. You yeah. know, Poland had been partitioned by three different empires for 120 years, and then it was World War One, and then Poland, you know, got put back together, and then it was World War Two, it was mm-hmm. the Nazis, and then the World War Two was done, and then you have communists coming in. Right. It's just constant. Mm-hmm. But like Poland is so I don't know. Poland is such a like fierce child of mary like mm-hmm. it's just like it's just it's fierce like it's not gonna give up yeah and if Pol- if the polish people ever forget that then that would actually be really sad mm-hmm. i mean the saints that came out of poland alone right. mm-hmm. oh my goodness and now i was thinking <laughs> yeah. about too, uh saint faustina saint hyacinth saint john paul ii the, the the ones who lost their lives in auschwitz like there's yeah. there's a list oh yeah and it's just constantly it goes back and back and back yeah. like yeah. kings and queens and religious and all right. you know and so 
Um, yeah, it's kind of like in the DNA to just persevere, you know, through every hard thing. Um, and yeah, and so I don't know what the communists thought they were going to do, but, you know, of course they were trying to squelch the faith, mm-hmm. um, but the faith was still just, you know, going. And my mom were, my mom actually grew up in a, um, in a small village in the countryside of Poland where communism, like, looked a little bit different. There was, mm-hmm. in a sense, more freedom there. Um, and that like they were growing their own food and so they weren't she wasn't experiencing directly like the terrible shortages and the long lines you would have to stand in just to like get food they and all that stuff everything. control over everything um and um but you know would still like she would kiss the the ring of their parish priest on the street and some of the kids would just like guffaw at her you know mm-hmm. just like whether you liked it or not even though the faith was strong the faith was only able to be strong in people's homes Mm because communism reigned in the schools you know and in the workplaces and so um you know just terrible stories of how like neighbors or kids would rat out um their parents or their neighbors to the to the regime and then those people would like disappear and oh they would like gosh. disappear forever or maybe they'd come back three days later just beat up and bruised like just for being terrible yeah yeah like just like just wow. can you imagine the risk anybody took in right. like putting christ at the center of their life um wow and so the faith was strong the faith like had to be strong mm-hmm. um and the faith was so intertwined with people preserving polishness right mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. during the communist regime but my parents always say that um, it was still, there was still just a lot of fear, a lot of fear, right? Because yeah. from what I just said, mm-hmm. and um, gosh, where are we going? I'm just going with the story. Go for it. Uh, yeah, so all. <laughs> uh, when, when JP2 was elected pope, mm-hmm. um, at this point, my parents are young, married couple. Uh, they have a couple of kids. Um, they're living in Krakow, so now my mom is, you know, living that life of standing in really long lines and trying to get something, anything to feed their children and just mm. persevere. And uh, my dad would sometimes ride a bike to my mom's village uh, where she grew up, and he would like smuggle chickens from my mom's parents' farm and like, you know, just like wow. illegal things just to like feed the family. My goodness. Um, anyway, so. So my mom always says that when when he was elected pope, the the communists were trying to keep it a secret. Like they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't put it on like any news outlet or anything, mm-hmm. you know. And like somebody leaked it to and, and like phone calls were just happening. People were connecting each other over the phone and like passing around the news. Oh and God. she said like something broke that day. Like just it was like it was like like a bubble burst. And wow. all of a sudden, people didn't have fear anymore. Wow. They were just like, let's do this, you know? And, like, <laughs> so cool. the bells were ringing in all the churches. And oh, the people started wow. flooding the main square and just, like, shouting and cheering. And just, like, my mom remembers that day just being, like, the day that fear broke. Mm, you know? Just, like, so the, cool. the change that's in spiritual so cool. authority. And as you yeah. know, like, within a few years, not well, you know, all things considered, not long afterwards, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Uh, communism fell and he was because of him yeah yeah. and but he kind of instigated like him becoming elected pope instigated this massive just like breakout from the shell of fear that everyone was experiencing that's amazing i can't even imagine a world where the only way you're going to get information is through the news media on tv Mm-hmm. And that if they chose not to give it, then you don't get you it. You don't get it. And then right. it, the way that it would travel, like you said, it traveled by word of mouth. That is mm-hmm. so cool. I love yeah. that. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about it is they say that, I guess, the um, government had control over the church because they had control over everything. And they had the final say of who was elected bishop and who was elected cardinal. And um, they had like a rubber stamp that they could like veto, I guess, if they mm-hmm. wanted to. And so when he was elected bishop the first time, they vetoed, vetoed, vetoed. They chose him. <laughs> the <laughs> communist government chose him. Because they thought he wouldn't be a threat because he was the, so young. Yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah he's easy. We'll, we'll take him. Like, yeah, yeah. And then here, you know, like how funny is that, that he ends up being 
you know, this light of hope and and Mm -hmm. what brings them down eventually. It's just amazing. Because also you have to understand that it wasn't like, oh, he's just some Polish guy. Like, no, he was already like the father of Poland the same way that he became the father of the world. Mm -hmm. Everyone Um, knew him. Everyone really knew him. They knew his teachings, Mm -hmm. um, like how he had... And in Polish, instead of like youth ministry, the word is duch pas- sorry, duch pasterstwo, which means um, soul shepherding. Oh, so like my the way God. that he, like that so the way that he um, soul shepherded, you know, the youth. It had a trickle down effect on these families. Yeah. Everybody knew him. People in Poland already knew about the theology of the body and NFP, which we have terms for now. But they already knew right. just like through his influence, like yeah. how to start doing these things in because the families been going up the mountain and talking right. to people about these things for and years. so he was all he was already the spiritual father of that of the nation really so he was he had a reputation for I think his I teaching just and, thought of him as like some man from poland but no he was like mm-hmm. they, they knew parish they, priest yeah they, they knew what yeah. he was capable of they knew his heart they knew his vision mm-hmm. and and it gave hope and they trusted in that that's that's amazing Sometimes I feel that way when I see Father Charlie. I'm like, mm, one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Don't take him don't away. Take away. And, <laughs> and I don't know how most polls felt, but I could see how some were probably sad to see him go, right. you know, to oh, share sure. him with the world. Um, oh, but he needed to away. be shared with the world because mm-hmm. he couldn't be contained in those four yeah. you know, corners yeah. of the country. He needed That's, to be shared. Too yeah. big of a heart. That just blows me away. Well, and like to go back to some of his story, that... He went to seminary underground during mm-hmm. Nazi invasion of Poland mm-hmm. and had to, it, it, he chose to go into seminary in a time when it was illegal. Yeah. And he nearly died how many times? Four or five times? Right. Like literally nearly died. Was hit like by, the, by bullets, right? Yeah, was yeah. shot, yeah. was hit by well, a truck. But that was later when he was Pope, but even right. when he was a young kid, there were different kid, times. There were multiple times where, um, and actually when he was hit by a Nazi truck, he, they basically said he didn't have any hope for survival. And when he survived from that, that was when he chose to go into the seminary. Oh, wow. I didn't and, know that. And he wasn't, like, run down by a Nazi truck. He was just hit, like, walking down the road. <laughs> it wasn't, you know. But still, it was just this miracle that, that he was um, that he was healthy. And so it's just funny to me when I think about it because it's like you kind of watch this path of his life, and it's like God saying, no, 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 go this way. Oh, we got to keep him safe. Oh. You know, like, like yeah. he had such big plans for his life, and the enemy is just throwing darts like crazy at him, yeah. doing everything he can to stop this man from – the glory that is coming for the mm-hmm. Lord, like big stuff is coming for the Lord if he makes it through, right? And yeah. of course, God protects him. And, yeah. and Mary, he always says that Mary uh, moved the bullet. Um, oh, yeah. Hit him, mm-hmm. right? Our Lady of Fatima. Yeah, Our Lady of Fatima yeah. was his, um, yeah. his protector. That's beautiful. And then another story that I think is really fun is how the communists like tracked him. Mm-hmm. And they put um, bugs in his, oh, yeah. his yeah. bishop's office. Yeah. Or I guess, I think he's bishop. Then. No, or was he pope? I don't know, whatever it was. No, I think it was before. Yeah, because yeah, they couldn't yeah. it in the Vatican. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> top security there. But, uh, and he knew that yeah. there were bugs, and so he would, like, mess with them and, like, say something, like, wild and yeah. violent yeah. and have, like, no real conversations in there. And then he would hide and, like, tell people, like, out when he was on walks and stuff. But he would, like, send them on wild goose chases. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just oh think of gosh. him as, like, almost like this, like, Batman character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, like he's like teasing people. Well, well there is that yeah. meme about Batman yes. versus JP2. And JP2 no one's is clearly the superior. We have a JP2 comic book. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. We That's do awesome. too. There's yeah. similarity with Batman. There totally is. Well, and there's the stories of um, how they would like trail him. I could just imagine him driving in his like, you know, official car or whatever. And then behind him are all these like black vehicles that are just trying to chase him down. <laughs> and so he, there was one time where he was driving through the streets of Krakow and um, there was traffic and they confused him and went like, they stopped and he jumped out of one car and jumped in another car and then the car kept going and they followed the wrong car. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Like just to throw him off the scent of where he make a movie goodness. about him already. Come on. Why hasn't there There been are a movie? couple, but none of them are really, none I mean, of them really get to the heart of him. Mission Impossible style. Right. Yeah. Dun, you know? dun, dun. yeah. Yes. But who would play Pope John Paul II? Oh, I don't know. That's, That's a hard. That's a good question. <laughs> but I guess if people can play Jesus, you could find somebody to play Pope John Paul II. That's true. That's true. All right. Any other fun stories about him that you all have, that you love? No. I mean, just theology of the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feminine genius. All the things. So much. It's just rich. Well, and you had mentioned <laughs> in our um, mom's group the other day that, that you learned a lot from 
being a Catholic therapist and hearing mm-hmm. from the hearts of children and mm-hmm. the hearts of mothers. And when you started speaking, it just sounded so much like this rich, beautiful teaching that John Paul II had given us. And I don't know if it was exactly that or just like how how it's you know been intertwined for you, but I would love to hear some of that. Yeah, I think I think some of these things just kind of come full circle, really, right. maybe more than anything else, because mm-hmm. um, I like my brain is actually going to just again like how much because of how my mom spoke of him and shared stories. And one story that really stands out to me when I was a little girl is when I distinctly I can see where I am in the house, and my mm-hmm. mom was telling me like about how his heart was just so open. And there was something about how she was saying it that I imagined like a book totally wide open with mm. the spine like this. And she was like, it was because he was so open that God could do so much so much good through him. And mm. like that just like that that made some sort of deep imprint on my heart when my mom said that. And I was just like, I want to be open like that. You know, yeah. like if he spoke eight languages and he all of a sudden, you know, I knew <laughs> yeah. that. And so um, and then when he died, I was actually in eighth grade and it just hit me hard, you know, just because I had already like, mm-hmm. again, that love had already been cultivated in me mm-hmm. and we were even like somebody somewhere find found out about us being Polish and having some connection. And like my parents and me were interviewed by the news you were. <laughs> wow, <that's cute. laughs> when that happened. Cause it was all over the news right? when everywhere. that happened. And Not I just stop. like, I, you know, my little eighth grade self is on there teary eyed. Like I just loved him so much. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, he's just, he was definitely there, there, there. Oh, I'm also thinking about how we got up at, like, 3 a.m. in the morning to go watch the live, like, televi- television of um of his funeral in mm. the cathedral. And it's, like, 3 in the morning, and we went, and then I had band practice, and then I had a full day of school. And then <laughs> wow. we were supposed to have a school dance afterwards, and I was just like, Mom, I don't, I don't know if I should go. Like, aren't we in mourning? <laughs> and... <laughs> My mom was just like, oh, I think she was touched the same way you guys are right yeah. now. And she was just like, no, I'm pretty sure that he would really love to see you have fun and oh. just have joy at this yes. dance. And I was like, okay. But I was like seriously just ready to just go home and like not be at this dance That's because so he cute. had died. Like it was That's just such so a big sweet. deal. I love um, that. Well, and you even said that he was like your spiritual grandfather. Yes. So he, you know, his his way of soul shepherding the mm-hmm. youth, um, what, what he started ended up being kind of the way that priests soul shepherded after him. Mm -hmm. And so the next generation of priests, there was one priest, um, he's still alive, um, also a spiritual father of mine. He, he was the one who soul shepherded my parents where they met in their group. Um, and so he was shepherded that, that's, yeah, that same formation. Right. And so, and yeah, I'm the product of my parents. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one generation removed. Yeah. 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 priestess. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Yeah. So he, so just like that deep love for him. And then, and then he passed away and obviously like his beatification, his canonization, super exciting things for me. Um, but you know, like you continue with life, you know, you can tell, you continue growing and forming and learning and, you know, go on to high school and college and all this stuff. And I, um, I think after college, I I did a master's in counseling and I started working as a counselor. So this is kind of like where things kind of ultimately came full circle because I was working as a counselor and the more and more I worked, the more experience I got, the more I was able to sort of, I felt like I was able to like zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out and get this mm-hmm. like overarching view of like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, apart from people's isolated traumatic events, mm-hmm. there you can very easily start seeing like, what is the ill like that's like everywhere? Mm-hmm. Um Kind of like the common thread. Yeah, exactly. And like, what is going on? Um, and and it wasn't immediate, but my first thought was like, wow, but like if, you know, there, there's a lot of worried parents. Um, mm-hmm. And I totally get it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of worried parents about children falling into these dark things um, mm-hmm. or, you know, falling into false identity. Um and it hurts parents and they're scared and they're anxious and it's just scary to deal with that. And I get it. And, um, I think my privileged place of, of being with children and teens just helped me realize like, but like they're not being offered anything like they're not being offered something more beautiful. Mm, that's all I know. If right. the, if the, if what they have isn't very attractive, 
then the world is going to do its best to find something that's attractive. Like, and I say a quote, quote, something that's going to draw them in Mm -hmm. and give them purpose and give them meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely a big part of this was couched in my own experience growing up of just like, I would think about like, Lord, why was I spared from a lot of pain that I see a lot of kids dealing with today? Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, just blessed to have a mother who was so secure, I think, in her beauty and just her faith that like I couldn't help but want to be holy like her and beautiful like her and good like her. And like Mm. um, the faith in the home, I don't know, just like the world never had any allurement for me. Cause like, mm-hmm. it's such like a half answer. It's just not the answer. If, and if a home is beautiful, then mm-hmm. what the world has to offer is not going to be interesting at all. Okay. Hold on for one second. So last <laughs> night we were at the undone conference mm-hmm. and they said women are, have receptivity, mm-hmm. beauty, relationship. Thank you. <laughs> and something else that I yeah, don't remember. Yeah. And they asked us in our small group, which one of those three words do you most relate to? Mm-hmm. Not a single person said beauty. Mm-hmm. And also, even when she gave the talk, she said, I see you cringing in your seats when I mm-hmm. say the word beauty. Mm-hmm. And she said, beauty isn't necessarily like, you know, appearance. Like there's mm-hmm. so much more to beauty. So will you explain what you su- what you see as beauty? So that, because yeah, I think it's yeah. such, it's almost like a a trigger word mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. And we're not even hearing what the depth of it could be because we immediately think appearance. We're conditioned. Kind of sh- yeah. We're conditioned to think. Yeah. Will external. you explain that a little bit more? Yes. I am so into this topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I w- it started with about two years ago being told in confession that I was afraid of my own beauty. Wow. A priest wow. told you that? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, it shocked me. Like, first of all, you're saying I am beautiful. <laughs> all right. And second of all, you're saying I'm afraid of it. Like, what does that mean? And um, I, I, I laugh at myself now because I remember thinking at the time, like, I'm going to think hard about this for like two weeks. I'm going to figure out the answer and then we'll be good. And here I am two years later, still unpacking wow. that statement. Um, and so to be beautiful is to be seen. And, and the being seen, um, that person seeing you has pleasure, right? Mm. It's pointing towards something good. Mm. And so I, I, I went with that and I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, so you got to be seen. You got to be beheld by someone. Mm. And I, that's like what it means to be beautiful, Because I was really stuck on the, like, how do you be beautiful, right? Not just, like, we're not just, like, describing something. We're talking about a state of being. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I thought about it more and more, and I realized at the time, like, okay, well, there's a lot of things that I've just, over the years, stopped talking about with my husband or hiding from my husband. And I think this is part of the answer. And um, just realizing, like, okay, but it's kind of scary to talk about some of the stuff. I don't know what his answer will be. I don't know what his reaction will be. Like, um, the whole reason I haven't brought this up is because I thought he might, like, get jealous or be angry or, you know. And Mm -hmm. that is very intolerable for some of us to to experience somebody else's negative um, affect. Um, and just realizing like, okay, no, but like, so what is a, what makes a flower beautiful? Like a flower is beautiful when it's in full bloom and in order to be in full bloom, it has to turn towards the light and it has to like fold back and there's something so vulnerable in it. And I realized like, okay, vulnerability leads to beauty. Um, and then I realized, okay, so then beauty when you really truly believe that you are beautiful, there's a security in that. Like, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's from that security that you're willing to be vulnerable again. Mm-hmm. So this is my, what I call the beauty begets beauty cycle. Mm-hmm. And I if you're fall, if you fall into it, it's just going to keep going and it's just going to keep being fruitful. Yeah. But the opposite of this is my isolation begets isolation cycle. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of having the courage to be vulnerable is fear. Mm-hmm. And from fear, from that place of fear where we're going to hide and we're going to kind of go in, yeah. um, we become isolated. And then mm-hmm. isolation breeds, um, my brain is, my brain is, yeah. my, my insecurity. Yeah. I don't know who I am. Oh my gosh, it's so rampant today. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. 
Mm-hmm. And even when the fa- when the church says like you are a son or a daughter of God, the enemy is coming in and even saying, "Well, are you even a son? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you even a daughter? Ah, oh. what are you? Yes. Yeah. And so, it's just it's it's terrible. Anyway, this mm-hmm. is my isolation begets isolation, Absolutely. you know, cycle. Um, that is kind of the opposite of the beauty. Yeah, I've been thinking cycle. about this a lot lately because I'm gonna embarrass Kendra, but she's taught me a lot about like making living in a place of vulnerability mm-hmm. and living in a place she's looking at me funny <laughs> Sorry. living in a place of like just resting in your identity and allowing others to live in that place with you too like allowing them to be vulnerable to re- to rest because if you can be vulnerable and be loved in that place then you just like you said like it lets down your guard and then you can love other people better when you're mm-hmm. in that place mm-hmm. and so i just have this like vision of women loving one another like that like instead of competing with one another like mm-hmm. let's champion each other like when we've had our mothers yeah. of young children meeting lately and we're talking about everyone's blue flame like yeah. it's been so much fun to be it like, really has like you're so talented like yeah. to champion each other's talent mm-hmm. and just like we don't have to live from a place of insecurity mm-hmm. we can live from a place of rest of like i yeah. was created this way for a reason and i have gifts and i can be proud of those gifts without being you know, without worrying too much about not being humble because false humility is not humility. Like if God has given me a gift, I should give God glory for that gift and own it, right? Like and live Mm. in a place where I feel proud of what God has given me. Not that I've done it by myself because that's not true at all. But I just, I'm like really starting to see if we had a stronger sense of identity and a stronger sense of self that we could rest more. Mm -hmm. This was really stirring in my heart today of this like idea of resting and how that is what it's what we're all seeking right like yeah. we're all seeking a, a, a way to rest yeah. and and to even know what it means to rest and when we don't have a strong sense of identity then we're constantly grasping at who we think we need to be or who that person over there thinks i am so i better live up to what they think i am versus living for who god created me to be yes Sorry, all these things are connecting. It all hit me in the car today on the way over. I'm going to sound like a broken record with the guardian angel thing, but it's, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So (laughs) last week I sent Megan a text and Leanna because I didn't go to our Bible study. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to fill them in on what I discovered about myself (laughs) (laughs) recently um, about how I need to recharge. Like I've been living my life... um, thinking that I'm one way because it's like, like thinking I was, um, extroverted because all the people around me were extroverted. And so I need to be extroverted, but I'm finally coming to the realization. And I guarantee you, this is by the gift by, because my, my guardian angel helping me see this, um, that I get recharged introvertedly. Like mm-hmm. I need to be quiet and still. And so I had this realization and so I filled Megan and Leanne, by the way, this is your friend. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm only realizing this. But also, um, just a couple weeks ago with Chris, it was just this big aha moment of what my love language truly is. Mm-hmm. And like I had done the quiz, I had read the book, whatever, years ago. And I thought it was this one. I was like, okay, this sounds good. This sounds like a good one for, you know, probably this or whatever. And um, it kind of fits with him. You know, and it's just, it's been this self-realization. And as I've come to realize that, um, especially with how I, I'm able to recharge, I'm able to rest in that <laughs> and trust like this. Yeah. It's just like the settling into who I am. Yeah. Well, and you said when you had done the and love languages in the past, you were almost choosing based on what you thought yeah. other people wanted you to be yeah. versus like totally. what actually spoke to your own heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like this idea of, I need to live up to somebody else's expectations mm-hmm. And we're never going to rest if we're trying to do that, right? Mm-hmm. right? And I don't mean rest by, like, go lay down and take a nap. I mean, like, exhale yeah. and feel safe and feel content and feel like we're not constantly waiting for the next shoe to drop and constantly right. having to jump through hoops to keep ourselves happy and moving forward. You know, like, just that feeling of, like, deep abiding. exhale. Yeah, abiding. It's, it's from yeah. that place that you can, like, truly surrender. Yeah. And I just think, like, yeah, beauty is also a life surrendered. Like, you look at, like, yeah. Mother Teresa. She's just, oh. like, so <laughs> darn beautiful. And wrinkly mm-hmm. as I'll get out. Like, yeah. she's just yeah. totally surrendered. Yeah, she's beauty. Yeah. 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 But I love how you said the flower has to turn towards the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the light burns. Ooh. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
but also being vulnerable doesn't it's not just going to be like cool i'm going to go be vulnerable with yeah. god and you know it's going to well, be a walk yeah. in the park it's like finding fire no. not a refining hot tub <laughs> exactly oh that would be nice but like there's um, so much like i have this image of like the light and the darkness and like when we turn towards the light and the, the light shines on our face then we like we're glowing and we have joy and like that's that's where we get to see ourselves in the image of who God believes that we are, like he knows who we are, mm-hmm. versus the turning away from the light and turning into the darkness. And that's where like the flower crumbles and we mm-hmm. turn into this like insecurity and this lost culture of, you know, yeah. dark magic and sadness mm-hmm. and angst. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love that yeah. image that you just gave us. It's beautiful. So to kind of like, oh, I have like a million thoughts, but I'm going to try <laughs> to like zero it down. But to, to go with kind of like what was going on for me of just realizing like, okay, like, if only like children on a wide scale were really just like steeped in something beautiful mm-hmm. that they wouldn't even really want to listen yeah. to whatever the world has to offer to them. Yeah. Um, and, and the more and more I looked at it and I, and I really say this from a place of love, not from a place of judgment. The more I was like, do, do these moms actually believe they're beautiful? Mm. And just realizing like, I don't, I don't know if they do. And if you, if you don't believe it, if you don't know it, like you're, your child senses that, like mm-hmm. knows that. Um, yeah. And so it's just so like, it's very much on my heart right now. And I don't know exactly where God's leading me with it and where, where we're going to go with this. But just the idea of like, moms have a mission to be beautiful. And if they really knew their beauty, oof, oh. the world would change. Oh, and the enemy is attacking us there because yeah. he hates life and he hates that we can create life and that we can nurture life and hold life within us physically mm-hmm. and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so he is going to get us and yeah. he's going to tell us we are not beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. going to tell us it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to trickle down to our kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Well, and knowing, I think it goes back to that abiding piece too of like, we can't muster up our own beauty necessarily. We can't muster up our own ability to be, you know, like to, to not be insecure. Like we need to feel the light of God shining on us. It says like, mm-hmm. you are mine. You are my beloved and mm-hmm. I created you and I adore you. And the rest of the world, that's lies. That's lies that are coming into your mind that I never intended to be there. Yeah. And like having the ability to turn to him and then one at a time throw those lies out of our mind. Yeah. I had a really cool experience, experience with Esther, um, not too long ago. So, um, I just truly love spending time with Esther, but with six kids and everything, a lot of times I have to say, no, I can't this time, or are you available? And she's not. And, you know, we just miss each other so Mm -hmm. much and um, our calendars, our schedules miss each other. And I miss her too. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But um, I was just messaging her and just letting her know, like just apologizing for, um, because I want her to know how important she is to me. Right. And I can't always show that. And she was like, no, it's okay. Jesus told me who, who I am this morning. Oh, and I was like, whoa, yes. I love yes. that so much. Me too. It's just so simple. Like, just that's, that's so abiding cool. and that's... And, and, and I wanted to... I wasn't sure whether I needed to share this or not, but I just wanted to say that vulnerability doesn't mean, like, go off and tell the cash get the cashier at HEB, like, every <laughs> single wound in your life and be yeah. like, well, look at me. I'm so beautiful now because right. you're beholding my wounds. And it's like, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't need like I have a, I, I, my, my thinking, and I have to really credit my husband with this is that like, it's more, the metaphor is more like, you know, a noble person in English times, old, old in English times, you know, has many apartments and, and, and in the most intimate, deepest chamber is where you're revealing yourself like fully, just nakedly to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then if you're married to your spouse, right. And this is my, my other caveat is that like, your spouse also needs to know well how to behold you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like beholding. It's a whole other topic I could get on yeah. for a long a period of time. Yeah. And it's from that space, that place of being seen that now in some of these outer chambers of like the parlor where you meet with the peasant or something, <laughs> where, yes, no, you're not stripping for the present, but <laughs> for the peasant, but you're, you, you've been seen in mm-hmm. your beauty and your raw, natural Eve beauty in the deepest chamber and that is just going to shine through mm, in these outer incredible. chambers. Yes. That is incredible. So no, you're not called to be vulnerable with like every last person. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but you are called to be vulnerable with Christ, your bridegroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're married, your groom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let that shine through. And, and I, when we kind of invert things, it's actually not beauty anymore. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's grasping for identity. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's certain vulnerabilities that should go to your husband first, not to someone else outside of the family. Like that should be the first mm-hmm. place, right. right? Is that what you're saying? Oh, that's right, beautiful. Yeah. Does he give talks on this to men? I feel no. like the, we need the men's side of this as well. <laughs> the beholding part. Well, yeah. I've taught him a lot, him being married to a counselor over the yeah. years. He's learned a lot of uh-huh. counselor reflective listening yeah. skills because that's really all it is. It sounds kind of scary, maybe like, oh, how am I supposed to behold? And it's like, well, this is how you actively listen, and this is how I taught oh. him to do it, and he does a great job. Yeah. One time I told him, like, can you just do the active listening and just reflect the same way I do with a client? And he did it, and I was bawling. Wow. Just being known and yeah. loved. Yeah. Wow. So men aren't great at that sometimes. That would be a really yeah. good thing to teach in like that would be the pre Cana classes. Yeah. <laughs> so I really think you know it's it's etched very deep within every single human person to be known and to be loved and to be seen. We're created mm-hmm. for our Creator and to be known and be loved. Like that's a reflection of of our relationship with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Chris, he is so. I'm so blessed by him with how he delights in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been so many times and, and I've been able to kind of step back and reflect on this recently, but so many times in our marriage, um, just in the intimate chamber, right. Um, where the enemy just sneaks in and just whispers, he's not delighting in you. He's using you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has been mm-hmm. ugly. And I, I'm so grateful. I feel like scales have fallen off my eyes recently. Just like, wow, he, he wasn't using me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's totally the enemy. He's been mm-hmm. delighting in me since mm-hmm. day one. And and how freeing that is. Yeah. To surrender to that and to mm-hmm. allow him to delight in me. Yeah. It's a scary um, thing. Emotionally too, not yeah. just physically. Mm-hmm. When I think that's such a place of holiness, that that is prime real estate for the enemy to attack. Absolutely. Like, because if he can hit us in that most intimate place, then then he can destroy a marriage, right? And this kind of brings you back to theology of the body, too, mm-hmm. of, like, we don't just have a body. We are a body. And if, if, a, if a couple is really working and really wanting to grow deeper in that one flesh union of spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. when you come together in physical intimacy, it's... It's it's gonna just shine through, and and I think for a lot of us it can feel really uncomfortable. Like, wait, if I have pleasure, then this is wrong. And yeah. it's like, no, like no, yeah, it's not. There's something really beautiful happening here, and you're not being used. Like you're really beautiful right now, yeah, because you're you're being delighted in, and that's what God designed. Yeah, that was the goal. Someone's having pleasure. Uh, yeah, and like in who in who you are. Yeah, I just thought of something. Um, so we've, <laughs> I'm helping at the book table at JV2 <laughs> um, for Undone. So I've been looking at all these books for the JV2 Healing Center all night long. And there's a new one by Dr. Bob Schutz, and it's about um, sexual healing. Be Restored. Be Restored. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's what it's called. Um, so if this is like, I don't know, striking a nerve for someone and they're feeling like this is an area that might need to dive deeper into, mm-hmm. I, I would... I haven't read the book yet, but I would recommend that. I feel like that's a good place to start. And also going to listen to um, his podcast, with yeah. Jake, yes. Restore the Glory. Mm-hmm. He has a whole section. He does. He on has that a, too. Yeah, on sexual healing. And, and um, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Sister Miriam is on it too. Yeah, I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, yes. but I, I was oh, yeah. thinking about that. I want to hear it too. Yeah, me too. Well, guys, I feel like we could talk about this for like days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we just barely scratch the surface of... of I don't know. I, I just have this recurring thing about identity popping up right now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think it's just because our His Beloved small group is about identity. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where God, you know, shows you in a bunch of different ways the same topic because he really wants you to hear it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Della's over the podcast today. Yeah. I'm sorry. We have She's a little voice in the background. But that's okay. This is mom yeah. life, right? So, yeah. so we always end with what is God doing in your heart. Mm. So, Kendra, what's God doing in your heart today? I feel like I shared it all already. I know. I feel like I did too. It's a lot of, a, a lot of heart like, sharing. I was yeah. like, wait a second. What is God doing in my heart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just this, uh, this awakening of um, 
who I am, and it's I just entrust it and uh, accredit it to my guardian angel because um, you know their role is to get us to heaven, and how how can we act on that if we don't know who we are and our temperaments? Like for him just to reveal and help me see how I can rest so that I can recharge and so that I can go forth and you know be a warrior for Christ. Like that was just. Oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> so. How about you, Nikki? What's God doing in your heart? Um, I'm God is kind of bringing me back to the the idea of subordination, mm. um, and the idea that you know we immediately hear that. I think a lot of women hear that and they're just like, Bleh, you yeah, know? yeah. But um, whenever I realize that what the word actually means is like under the mission of, yeah, yeah, your oh. husband. And just realizing, like, okay, the, to the degree that my husband is Christ to me, and obviously he's not perfect, then there are there are times that I'm going to have to suspend whatever I think is the way something should be or a decision that we should make and just lean into it and be receptive to what he thinks is, is true and good and beautiful because that is being under his mission yeah. as a Christian witness. And I've actually just been reflecting on how, I'm in a season right now where that's particularly difficult for me, but then also thinking about how, well, I said yes to this other thing a few months back and it was really hard and I'm seeing so much fruit from it now mm. and I would not have had the same fruit. Mm. So just reminding myself of that truth that like, mm. it's okay sometimes to, yeah. to say yes when you don't know, yes to the unknown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Ooh, we can go on a whole tangent on that one. <laughs> this could <laughs> be like a podcast and, series. Right? <laughs> we'll just keep having Nikki back and go one at a time through everything. Yeah. Ooh. So Megan, for what me, about you? Honestly, so we've done a couple, there's been a couple of weeks where we haven't had podcasts and every week I'm like, oh, this is what God's doing in my heart. Oh, I have like all these ideas. <laughs> and then last week we didn't even get to that point because he was so amazing. And now I'm like, I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't remember anything. But there seems to be this piece of identity. Like I just said that yeah. a minute ago, but like this identity piece keeps rolling around in my mind and this idea of championing women. Like that's just, it's been so fun to cheer for people. And I, I was just driving in the car just now and really feeling like God, like stirring this message in my heart. Mm. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's where he's calling me to next is just like some new topics of ways to share with women or things to share with women. Yeah. And, and, um, and I also have one on my heart too, that is, um, a talk for married couples or mm-hmm. for engaged couples. I'm not sure. Or both. I don't know mm-hmm. of, um, what it means to really live out that vow in sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because we lived that more than I ever thought we would this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and not even just like sickness in the sense of like weakness or, you know, ill, but like, there, there was some real serious depth to pain that came yeah. along with that sickness. So I don't know. I feel like God's just really stirring my heart in new ways and teaching me some new things that um, maybe I'll get to share one day, which is super fun. That's exciting. So, That's exciting. All right, guys. This is lovely. I love Thank having you so much. Thanks heart. for Nikki, having me. And I think that John Paul II is very happy. <laughs> I think so too. I think he really enjoyed this. Go and have some fun today. He has, he's quoted as saying, um, uh, I have a sweet tooth for song and music. This is my Polish sin. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, I like that. I want some pierogies. Be not afraid. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fun. Yeah. I also heard him say um, <laughs> that if praying is singing twice, then when he sings, you know, I said it wrong. If singing is praying twice, that when he sings, he only prays once. I don't think that's himself. true. <laughs> I literally just heard him sing the Our Father earlier Did today. You? And I was like, what? That's it's funny. Got a beautiful well, voice. Apparently he thought he didn't have a beautiful voice. <laughs> that's funny. Are you fluent in Polish? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. For the most part. I, I'm more of like a conversational. I okay. never went to school in Poland. and okay. yeah, yeah. So. But for her kids, when they learn how to potty train, they use Polish words so that nobody knows what they're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're just like openly talking about pee and poo um, public and nobody knows. So that's good. <laughs> but didn't we hear it sounded like shoe or something? Shoo shoo. It's always like, like pee pee. She was like, they're going to go into the nursery and then say shoo shoo. And they're going to think they're like talking about their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, he needs to go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> that cute. Awesome. Well, you are such a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Wasn't Nikki just fantastic? 
Kendra and I were talking about how we could have sat and talked with her for hours more. We are for sure going to have to have her back and go deeper because the feminine genius and theology of the body are both just beautiful, beautiful teachings of our church. Ones that I wish the world knew more about, but also not easy things to just digest in one sitting to wrap your brain around. So if you're really interested in more, there are some fantastic, fantastic resources out there. I absolutely recommend Jason Everett for anything Theology of the Body or John Paul II related. We'll add those in our show notes. For more on the feminine genius, St. Edith Stein wrote the feminine genius and John Paul II loved it so much that he elevated it to the point where all of us would be able to hear her message. And there are some fantastic books that take her writings and make them more accessible to those of us who aren't accustomed to reading the writings of the saints. So I'll add some of those in the show notes as well. And then also the Abiding Together podcast is doing a series right now for this entire year on the identity of woman as daughter, sister, mother, bride, and it's beautiful. So I highly recommend all of those things. And if you want to hear more from Nikki, she has a blog now, and we will add that in our show notes as well. And she's writing little two-minute writings about the feminine genius, which is so easy for us to digest. And she's doing that while she is nursing a baby. (laughs) So it's about all the time she has for each one of those little snippets, but it's perfect for us. I will also include a video of a talk that she gave at our parish recently. Also, I have one more request of you. This is... Um, a big moment for us on the His Beloved of Texas podcast, one that we have pushed off for a long time, but feel like maybe it's time. We would like to up our game with production and just the quality of the audio that we give you. And in order to do that, we need to hire someone who knows how to edit a podcast and can make it sound wonderful. I'm doing my best, but there's only so much I can do. And we would love for you guys to partner with us in that. If this podcast is meaningful to you, there's a couple of things you can do for us. One, we would love any donation that you could offer that would allow us to be able to hire someone to edit and produce this podcast. Two, we would love for you to rate and review it on iTunes. The more rates we get, the more comments, the more people hear our podcast. And three, share it with a friend because if it's touching your heart, I bet maybe there might be someone else out there that would like to hear it as well. And let us know, like if this is making a difference for you, please tell us because it gives us more excitement and energy to keep putting these together for you. All right, guys, see you next week.